Hello, and welcome to another edition of St. Paul's Letters to America. I am your host, Ray Gerard, with me in studio this morning, Mr. Bob Hennigas. Bob, how the heck are you? Absolutely marvelous, Ray. It's a, uh, a little bit of a nice extension of summer into the fall. It's been absolutely beautiful. Uh, had a football game last night, so, uh, so life is very, very good. Life is good, and life is good because we're in studio, and we're going to be talking about... Um, we're going to be talking about all things Catholic. Uh, well, not all things Catholic, but some things Catholic in regard to a particular topic, because that's what we do. This is St. Paul's Letters to America. And on this program, we take an issue or a topic that uh, is uh, current in our society, in our culture today, and we look at it through a Catholic lens. In particular, we look at it through the lens that we have from the writings of St. Paul. We'll take... Uh, We'll take one of his, his readings and ask the question, you know, what if he were alive today? Would he tell us the same thing that he told other people uh, 2,000 years ago? Would, if he were here to write a letter to um, the Americans, would he say the same, thing, same things as he told the Galatians, the Colossians, the Ephesians, Romans, etc.? And funny, enough, funny as it is, the answer always seems to be, Yes, because the writings of St. Paul are inspired by God, as is um, all of the Bible. They contain elements and principles and, and advice for how to live, uh, which is connected to, connected to God. Um, he expresses truths, and truths do not change. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to talk about... Um, what role parents have in the lives, specifically the education, of their children. And so uh, perhaps we should start uh, with uh, the writing from St. Paul himself. And he says, there will be terrifying times. People will be self-centered, proud, haughty, abusive, disobedient to their parents, irreligious. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to God. Now, we took a little license with um, his second letter to Timothy and his letter to the Colossians. We just simply excerpted, uh, excerpted uh, uh, pieces of it. But the concepts, the concepts are there. Uh, he talks about terrifying times, and one of the aspects of one of the aspects of terrifying times will be people will be disobedient to their parents. That's kind of funny. You wouldn't think that would cause terror, um, but he also lumps that in with people being irreligious. Do those two things go together? If you have respect for God, do you have respect for your parents? And then he also says uh, something else, another concept. He says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Obedience to your parents is pleasing to God. So terror if you disobey, and pleasing God if you do obey. Obviously, what's, what's, what's very apparent in these short passages from St. Paul is the importance of parents. The parents have um, a paramount role to play in the raising of their children. Okay, now why is this significant? Why is this important? Why is this relevant to our world today? Well, there is a, uh, a gubernatorial candidate uh, down in Virginia that had a debate between the, the two uh, main candidates, and uh, one of them said, I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. Listen, we have a board of ed working with local school boards to determine the curriculum for our schools. You don't want parents coming in every school, uh, every different school jurisdiction saying, this is what should be taught here. Now, and then on top of that, in this very same week that that happened, we had the Attorney General for the United States who issued a memo, and it was uh, made public. And he, uh, in the memo, he said, I am directing the Federal Bureau of Investigation, 
working with each United States attorney to convene meetings with federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial leaders in each federal judicial district within 30 days of the issuance of this memorandum. These meetings will facilitate the discussion of strategies for addressing threats against school administrators, board members, teachers, and staff, and will open dedicated lines of communication for threat reporting, assessment, and response. The Department of Justice is steadfast in its commitment to protect all people in the United States from violence, threats of violence, and other forms of intimidation and harassment. In response to that, one governor of one state uh, basically came out and said that harassment is already a crime in his state and that local leaders can deal with threats of violence. So we have, um, we have a view of parents being voiced by certain leaders. And the question that, we're gonna, that we need to ask is, is that view of the role of parents different um, from a Catholic view? Um, and what is the proper Catholic view? Um, I, I guess that's I guess maybe that's really it. What is the Catholic view? I mean, it's not so much. It's not so. I don't think we need to discuss so much. You know, what government leaders necessarily think, but you know, for for good Catholic parents out there, um, what should they understand um, in terms of you know what the Catholic Church. Um, wants us uh, to believe? What is it that we can understand, you know, from Scripture? What is the proper uh, understanding of uh, parents and the rights and the roles of parents? I mean, certainly, you know, our, our gov- you know, governmental leaders voice, uh, these, these leaders that we've quoted voice legitimate concerns. Hey, we don't want, you know, every school district um, teaching different things. Uh, we don't want uh, parents threatening violence against um, school board members. Those are legitimate concerns. Um, on the flip side, other people think, well, oh, wait a minute, parents should be able, and yeah, we don't want every different school district teaching something different, but parents don't parents have a right to be interested in the education of their children? Or, hey, if the Department of Justice is going to be looking at um, things that might be considered harassment, are parents going to be afraid to speak up? And, and should parents be afraid to speak up? I mean, don't they have a role in what happens with the education of their children? So that's the, that's the, that's the social issue. Um, but what's, you know, I mean, and societies and, and, and cultures, they come and they go, what's the truth? You know, what... Why are, par- are parents important? Why are parents important? What should we as, as Catholics think about this? I mean, Bob, I think that's, that's a significant issue uh, for people today. I mean, people may be confused about that sort of thing. Well, I think there's lots of information out there that we can, we can talk a little bit about. Um, for me, a, a great place is always the scripture. So I start out with the fourth commandment, right? God thought that this was so important when he handed the commandments to Moses, that he gave us three laws about how we should interact with him, right? The first three on the first tablet, we interact with him. And then he gave us seven more on how we should interact with everyone else, all the people of the world, and how we should treat one another. And the first of those is the fourth commandment, and it says, honor your mother and your father. And it's that easy and that simple that parents are in a great position of responsibility trying to help their children come to know all there is to know about the world, but more importantly, all there is to know about God as much as they can. Learn how to do math and English and science and history so that you can perform at a level and be productive and help the, help the United States and help the world. But more importantly, how do you treat one another? So he placed right in the front of the set of commandments that for us are how we treat one another, and he talks about the relationship between parents and children. 
I think it's pretty important to God, and I think the Catholic Church has a lot to say about that. And like all of it that the Lord gives us, it's pretty clear if you read it and look in the right places, and it's very loving, right? He didn't say, do whatever your parents say, say, right? He said, honor them, listen to them, cherish them, take care of them, right? And then there's the... I think it's from the Psalms that says, um, take care of your kids and they will take care of you when you're older. The whole relationship is about loving one another, right? It's about learning to take care of each other and doing the right things, not threatening, not um, beating, right? But love one another and take care of another, especially in this huge relationship between parents and kids. So, you know, you, you bring up this, this point that Right after those commandments dealing with your relationship with God, the very next commandment, one of the Ten Commandments is that you need to honor your father and your mother. Uh, One of the Ten Commandments. This is important, in other words. (laughs) Um, I mean, why is that? Why? I mean, so, you know, it's almost as if, like, second to God, right after God, um, then the parents have this importance, have this role to play. If you go to the catechism of the Catholic Church, it helps with that a little bit. Um, in uh, catechism, it talks about the fact that, and talking about parents, it says, when you walk, they will lead you. When you lie down, they will watch over you. And when you wake, they will talk to you. The Catechism talks about this primordial significance, this uh, intrinsic loving relationship between parents and children. There is a bond there. If we were going to give a title to this program, I think we would call it No Substitute for Parents. You know, we've, uh, you know, I mean, because you go to school and uh, some point or another, you know, that you know, your regular teacher can't make it, so you get a substitute teacher. Can you get a substitute parent? Well, I mean, sure you can. I mean, if you know, if 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 child, if children are adopted, things if of that, things, circumstances things of that nature. Yep. But can you take parents out of the equation? I mean, there is the church actually says it um, itself in talking about education. Catechism says the role of parents in education is of such importance that it is almost impossible to provide an adequate substitute. Now, what kind of education are they talking about? Um, The catechism continues. Parents have the first responsibility for the education of their children. They bear witness to this responsibility first by creating a home where tenderness, forgiveness, respect, fidelity, and disinterested service are the rule. The home is well-suited for education in the virtues. It's education. That, I mean, there's, there's other things that children have to be educated about for sure. But parents have a primary importance. And education in the virtue is of also first importance in what the parents have in terms of responsibility to their children. What could be more important than educating children in the virtues? What is our, what is our goal in life? What's our vocational life? What's our calling? Is it to be good members of society? Well, sure, um, that's an important thing. But that's not our end goal. Our end goal is to give honor to God and someday hopefully, you know, join him um, in, in, the, in the family um, of the faithful that can praise him forever. Um, and how do you get there? I mean, the, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, the, the, uh, one of the things that I've been looking at is the sacraments, is I prepare to be able to actually get the gifts and then be a celebrant in the sacraments. Uh, one we've we've worked on the mass and we're working on marriage and one we've worked on is baptism and there's a wonderful line as a child is being baptized in the in a Catholic baptism 
that talks about the parents, and it talks directly to the parents. You actually, the celebrant looks at the parents and says, you are the primary educator in the children's lives of God and who he is and the Catholic faith. Looks right at the parents and says that, one by one, to the mother first and then the father, making sure that not only is there this commandment that holds a pretty high place of esteem in number four, but as a child is being baptized, the parents are reminded very directly that they are responsible for bringing up this child in the Catholic faith, in the love of God, and proclaiming the gospel to them, right? Not the godparents, not paid educators, not other folks, but the parent has the first and the primary responsibility. And that's very consistent, right, with the, with the catechism and the way we do things. It is, it is key. That is the key relationship. It is the key. Re- it is the, I mean, there is a reason why um, the fourth commandment says what it says. There's a reason why, you know, St. Paul writes what he writes. Uh, there is a reason why the catechism says what it says. Uh, the parents have a special role. Why? Is that, is that a truth? Is that a, a, you know, a, a truth that comes from God? Well, I mean, again, I mean, we're talking about the Ten Commandments. We're talking about the New Testament, the writings of St. Paul. You know, the, it's, you know these, these indicators tell us that that's the case. Why? How are we to understand that? Um, how are we to, you know, wh- why, why is it important that we believe that? Um, and you know what, what it comes down to? What I, you, know, you know, what it seems that it comes down to? It seems that it comes down to um, the very identity of God. I mean, John tells us that God is love. And this passage that we just quoted from the Catechism talks about, hey, when you wake up, your parents are going to be there. There's a love that is there. There's a love that is there from the beginning. Not only there from the beginning, but before the beginning. I mean, it's godly. Before you were born, God knew you called you by name. God loved you. God called you into existence. God loved you before you were born. Okay? Before your earthly life, is there anybody that loves you? Yeah. Your parents, they're the only people, you know, I mean, well, except for grandparents and all. But basically, um, they are the only people who love you before you were born um, in a very intense way. Um, it's godly. It's, you know, the, if you were going to characterize the love of God for an individual person, and you're going to characterize parental love for that same person, you'll find commonalities. You'll find some striking commonalities. Well, number one, could you not say that in most cases, or in a healthy parental-child relationship, maybe we should maybe better say it that way, there's an element of unconditional love, right? Um, You've often heard stories about no matter what somebody's done, a person could be on death row, and their mother still loves them. Um, it's unconditional. No matter what you do, I will still love you. Um, if you're a parent, have you ever told that? Have you ever told that to a child? Um, I don't. I have. Um, it's unconditional. And who else, you know, has unconditional love for us, for each one of us? Well, that's God's love. There's nothing that, I mean, again, to, you know, to, uh, to quote St. Paul, there's nothing that will separate us. I'm convinced that nothing, either principalities nor powers, et cetera, et cetera, will separate us from the love of God. We can, you know, we can walk away from that love. We can distance our, you know, we can do things that distance ourselves from that love. We can ignore that love. We can reject that love. We can spurn it. We can insult it. We can do all kinds of things. But guess what? No matter what we, if at some point after having done all that, we turn around and then say, God, I'm sorry. Guess who's still going to love us? I mean, nothing will separate us from the love of God. The love of a parent and the love of God, it's unconditional. 
It absolutely is, Ray. The, and the scriptures are full. Jesus himself talks very, very much, uh, very often, that the relationship between us and the Father is just like between the parent and the child. Um, he goes so far as to say that I will love you, and then says, look, if your father, if you ask for a fish, your father will not turn and give you a scorpion, right? And he, he goes through that, and then he says, if someone who's as, I'm paraphrasing, of course, if someone who's as incompetent as your father, if they're talking about me especially, <laughs> if they know what is good for you, what more does your heavenly father know? And he sets up the relationship between parent and child is one of loving, of nurturing, yet way shy of what God wants with us. God it's has a, the yeah. ultimate parent relation, parent-child relationship. That's exactly what he's looking for with nothing but love, nothing but wanting to bring the person back, ultimate forgiveness. And then he looks out and oh, says— Oh, you're skipping ahead now. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and he wants us as parents— to do the same thing with the realization that we're incompetent clowns. Yeah, you you mentioned something just there. I, you know, I was I was going to list three commonalities between uh, divine love for us and, and and parental love, and you touched on one, forgiveness. Um, so besides being unconditional, parental love as well as divine love is redemptive. Um, you know, no matter what we do. If you have a good, loving relationship between a child and a parent, a parent will forgive. A parent will forgive. Um, you know, I mean, I remember one time, my, my goodness, I, I was a kid. I, I jumped up. I was in the kitchen at the kitchen table and just sort of jumped up without thinking. My mom had a cup of coffee, and I, you know, knocked it onto her, and she got burned. She forgave me. Um... You know, I mean, you've got this, or you know, and then talk about, for example, with, with, I mean, wasn't Christ trying to tell us that that's the way parents should be? You've got the, you know, the perhaps the most well-known parable in the Bible, the story of the prodigal son, and this, this boy, this this son, this child, insults his father in every way imaginable, and his father is overjoyed when he comes back to him. That's how parents should be because, and what is Christ telling us in that parable? Because that's how your heavenly Father looks at you. It's redemptive. There is forgiveness in a good child, parental, uh, and parent relationship. There is redemption. It is a mirror. You mean, you were touching on that before, Bob, is that, you know, love of a parent, it's, it's, a, it's a faint approximate, approximation of the tremendous, unbounded, limitless love that God has for us, a love we can we can only hardly even imagine. Um, and, you know, um, and, and a parental love, I mean, the forgiveness of a parent, I mean, it's the same. Um, it's, a, it's a faint approximation. Um, well, that, that story, Ray, of the prodigal son is, I, I think it's beautiful. And it adds the bit with the older brother, right? And the older brother is torqued off. He doesn't want to have anything to do, and he, he basically wants his father not to have anything to do, and he chastises his father for having a party and that sort of thing because the older brother doesn't understand God's love. In that story, the right. father is God, right? and the brother is doing everything he's supposed to. He's following the right. rules. He's playing by the rule book, and yet he sees his son who's taking advantage, his brother who's taking advantage of his father, and he feels that's unfair, and he goes after his father and says, don't do this. And the father can't not love this son who's run away. And the brother can't understand that because we as humans don't understand that ultimate loving forgiveness of all as soon as they ask. You, you mentioned that before, and that is absolutely beautiful. God doesn't wait around. He says, well, let me stew, for, let you stew for a while. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't say, I'll get back to you in a day or two, right? Let me write a memo to you and send it I'll to you. I'll take this under consideration. I'll take yeah. this under consideration. He is loving and opening up his arms immediately. And the older brother doesn't understand it because he is not God. He is human and he is angry and he is all the things that we are. And so our ultimate purpose as parents is to find that spot where we can do what it is that God wants and love God. It's, you know, I, 
for me, the, the ultimate one as a, parents, as a parent was when your child just aggravated you to the point where you, you, you want to blow a, a gasket, right? You're just so frustrated. And in those circumstances, I remember when I was kind and loving and, and with God, I would say, go to your room. Because now is not the right time for us to have this conversation. Right? Go to your room. This, this, this might not be good if we it's, have this conversation yeah, this, right now. This isn't going to go well. And God gave me the foresight to say, Bob, you are not in a place where you are ready to be a loving, caring father. Let the child relax. You relax and get to the point where you are bringing God's love to them, not your anger, not your human hatred and, and, and unkind behavior, but God's. And it's just wonderful when you can do that. And, of course, I had more than enough times when I did blow the gasket right there with, with, with the child. You? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely the case. And I, I, I no, think no, it's— it's a good thing my, my kids would never say that about yeah, me. I, <laughs> you, the Father is so loving and so kind, and if we could do that, if we could just follow him, as both as children and as parents— that's exactly what the Catholic Church is asking us to do, to just listen to Jesus and listen to our Father and love and forgive. Yeah? There's, uh, there's even a third uh, way in which parental love um, mirrors, albeit with less, less intensity, but mirrors, uh, in a way, uh, divine love. There's a timeless element about it. Besides being unconditional, besides being redemptive, there's a timeless aspect to it. We already touched on, on one element of it um, before you were born. Yeah. Your parents love you. Right now, uh, my daughter uh, is nearing the end of a pregnancy with her second child. Um, this is amazing. So her three-year-old corrected her. The other day, um, my daughter Annie was talking, uh, talking to, uh, to her daughter Claire and something about, well, and they've already got a name. Uh, they, they know it's going to be a, a girl, and they've already got a name for the, the girl, and it's, it's Hannah. Well, Hannah, Annie said something about, well, Hannah will do this, or Hannah will, you know, you can, you know, something about Hannah in the future. And, and Claire, the three-year-old, corrected her. No, no. You know, something about, you know, no, no, you know, Hannah, you know, Hannah is, is, is my sister now. And <laughs> she understood that this is a person now. Um, and so both, you know, my daughter Annie, as well as her, as well as my granddaughter Claire, both have love for this girl Hannah before she's actually physically born. They they know her. They call her by name. Well, biblical reference. I called you by name before. You know, um, and they love her. I mean, there's a, you know, I mean, it's, um, you know, it's not completely timeless. But, you know, I mean, but it, 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 it smacks of timelessness, does it not? Um, and, then, and then, you know, there's no, there's no end point to it. It begins before the child's human life, human life outside the womb uh, begins. Um, and there's no, there's no stopping it either. There's no end point. I know, you know, I was more than 50 years old. My mother's still telling me, you know, well, you know, I mean, if I— if, if I told her that, you know, I was out, you know, uh, playing tennis against the tennis wall and stuff on a hot day in the 90s, like I like to do, we'll take, you know, don't overdo it, you know. And or she's telling me, you know, if she, if she gave me, you know, if, uh, if, if I don't know, if there was a Christmas card and there or some, you know, and there was, you know, a $20 bill in her, well, put it in a safe place, she's telling me. <laughs> she's still treating me like a child. I mean, um, or you're, you're driving late at night on a long-distance drive. You know, be careful, be careful. And you could tell that she just worried. Um, okay, so I'm not a child anymore. She's still worried with the same kind of care and concern as when I was a child. There's a timeless kind of aspect to this. There's no end point. There's no age where you get old enough that your mother will stop loving you. Absolutely right. Yeah. And. You know, for, for me, both my parents have passed away. And one of the things that was really difficult when that occurred for me is that I had never known a world where my parents didn't love me. I had never known a world where I couldn't go to them and ask them questions. I had never seen a world where I didn't have them in my corner. And as they passed away, that was a hard thing for me 
to make the realization, of course, they still love me. They're in heaven. They're with God, and they love me. And in fact, they're more insightful than they've ever been. It's just that I can't hear them. I can't be with them. And that feeling of I now face the world without either a mother or a father to go get advice from, to go talk to, to go get those loving words was, was really hard, right? It was really hard. And yet God always does. He always provides. And he says, Bob, I'll be there with you. They'll be there with you. It's just you're going to have to listen a little better than you, you had to listen before. And I think that's a, that's a hard transition because we do feel that about our parents. We do feel that love about our parents, that they are the greatest thing in the world, the greatest parents ever, and it's a, uh, it's a wonderful thing. It's, it's not, a, not a bad thing. It's an absolutely wonderful thing that God gives us, these parents on earth that, that love us. And with all of that, I can't help but feel bad for those that have parents that don't, that, that, that are separated from them or are away. That's a, that, that's a tough thing. Parenthood should, by the Catholic faith, should be loving your child with all your heart and soul, just as God does. So if, these, if parental love shares these qualities, um, unconditional, it's unconditional, it's redemptive, it's timeless, if it shares these qualities with divine love, if it reflects um, a much higher magnitude of love that is divine love, if it reflects them, could you not make a case, could you not say that for each child, um, the parents, the role of the parents is sort of like, I don't know, in persona Christi with regard to that child. I mean, a priest stands in the shoes of Christ with regard to all his parishioners. And we call the priest, what do we call the priest? Father. Oh, yeah, we call the priest father, a, a parent's name. Um, and so, you know, children, you know, when the catechism says, hey, you know, when you wake up, I will be there. For a young child... The only person they know for a long time is their parent. Yeah. The parent is the one that you know is there when they wake up. Bishop Sheen said, um, we're talking about children and parents, said something about, you know, when a mother leaves, you know, and a, a, leaves a room, leaves the house, the child cries. Why? Because the child thinks it's forever. This, you know, this is the only person, they, this is their world, this, this, this parent. And to believe that your parent loves you is so consoling, is, um, is so securing. You feel, you know, protected, warm. Um, that, if you can instill in a child that sense that they are loved, then you are imitating Christ. You are acting as Christ would want you to act, in a sense, in a sense, you're in persona Christi. You are, uh, you are expressing um, God's love to that child because obviously, you know, uh, and where do, this ability to love, where do we have the ability to love? Where does it even come from? There's a, a little story. I mean, talking about the special relationship, the very special relationship between a parent and a child, and that it's all about love. And somehow there's, there's a love that's just sort of intrinsic and inherent it just comes from some place we can't even really imagine. Here's a little story for you. Uh, story uh, goes like this. I bumped into a stranger as he passed by. Oh, excuse me, please, was my reply. He said, please, please excuse me, too. Wasn't even watching for you. We were very polite, this stranger and I. We went on our way, and we said goodbye. But at home, a different story is told. How we treat our loved ones, young and old. Later that day, cooking the evening meal, my daughter stood beside me very still. When I turned, I nearly knocked her down. Move out of the way, I said with a frown. She walked away. Her little heart was broken. I didn't realize how harshly I'd spoken. While I lay awake in bed, God's still small voice came to me and said, While dealing with a stranger, common courtesy you use, but the child you love you seem to abuse. Look on the kitchen floor. You'll find some flowers there by the door. Those are the flowers she brought for you. She picked them herself, pink, yellow, and blue. She stood quietly not to spoil the surprise, and you never saw the tear in her eyes. 
By this time, I felt very small, and now my tears began to fall. I quietly went and knelt by her bed. Wake up, little girl, wake up, I said. Are these the flowers you picked for me? She smiled. I found them out by the tree. I picked them because they're pretty like you. I knew you'd like them, especially the blue. I said, daughter, I'm sorry for the way I acted today. I shouldn't have yelled at you that way. She said, oh, mom, that's okay. I love you anyway. I said, daughter, I love you too. And I do like the flowers, especially the blue. Now, if a story like that doesn't touch you, I mean, doesn't it touch you? Doesn't oh, my it touch, gosh, yes. Doesn't it, oh, yeah. doesn't, it, doesn't it touch everybody? Yeah. Why? Why? <laughs> because the love between the daughter and her mother is so strong. It's oh, intense. When we talk about parental love mirroring or reflecting God's love, I mean, are there any times in your life when you've come close to feeling the power of God's love? I mean, it just grabs you from the inside. It's strong. It's intense. And you get a sense of that as you listen to this story. Mm-hmm. The, the feelings, the emotions, they become strong. They become intense. Yeah. There is a special relationship between a parent and a child. And we have to respect that. We need to acknowledge it. We need to, you know, we need to always understand it. There's, it's um, God-ordered. I mean, there's an order to it that comes from God. There is, as the Catechism says, really almost no substitute for it. I mean... You know, like I said, I mean, in situations with adopted people or, or, or step-parents, I mean, there can be, you know, situations. These rules are not absolute. To say that there's no substitute for a parent is not an absolute thing. We're talking just in terms of the, the concept here. We're talking in terms of the reality of, of the love here. Um, and those people that step into the shoes of a parent— um, you know, I mean, uh, heck, they may be even more to be praised. Um, I mean, I, you know, it's it's not appropriate to judge people or, or compare people or put people on rating scales in terms of love. But they, you know, in a way might be more praised than anybody because they'll take a child that needs the love and provide it just because, I mean, because they make the decision to do it. I mean, that's, that's even a, you know, that's even a, a more admirable kind of thing for those people to do. But, uh, but the point is still the same, and that is, um, there, is a, there is a relationship there, and it's tied to God. The moments that I think back in my life, and I have one, one to share, but the moments I think back in my life where I was as good as I could be was as a parent, right? It wasn't as an engineer or as a teacher or as a CEO or any of those jobs that I've had, right? Uh, digging ditches. I did that for a while. All these different things. But this is a parent. And my son got this disease, and I didn't really understand it. I talked to the doctors. It sort of blew me away. I don't think they were real sure about it. But it was an infection that caused complete paralysis of his lower body. And they began an injection, and by the way, it, it, the, the short answer is it worked out. They were exactly correct, and they gave him some steroids to knock this thing off. And it was a matter of close to a month before he was actually walking with any close semblance, a, a month of, um, of this. And I remember before he was showing any signs, as the, as the therapy was beginning, he was asleep and in bed and very upset, right, uh, with, with all of this, and I was praying to God. And in a moment, I said, Lord, let me be paralyzed. I have lived for close to 50 years and had a wonderful life. And this little guy is, he was, he was uh, 14 at the time. He hasn't had the life. He hasn't shared the experiences. He hasn't had the things that I've had. Would you please take that from him and give me the paralysis for the rest of my life? Don't let this happen to him. As you do that, as a parent, knowing full well that's not going to happen, right? It's my prayer, it's my desire, but it's not going to happen. That is the love that you're talking about. And that's one of those best moments, right? When 
you can feel just a little bit like God wants you to act. And that's the way people should be. <laughs> and I wish, I wish I was a better parent because I really look back and say, man, I made just a ton of mistakes. I was an idiot a lot of the time. But God gives us those chances. That's who he is. He gives us those really good moments and those really bad moments. And that's because we're human. But then we make the realization that he doesn't have any bad moments. All he has is good moments. And that's what he's asking us to do. You know, you're, now you brought up, actually, I should amend the list. <laughs> we, we had three, you know, three ways in which parental love reflects divine love. How about a fourth? I mean, you just raised it. Uh, self-sacrifice. Yeah. Um, the USCCB has uh, on their website um, of a list of rights and duties of parents. And one of the things they, they mention is, um, is this. Of its nature, perfect married life means also the complete self-sacrifice of the parents on behalf of their children. You bet. Self-sacrifice, agape love. Christ, Christ's love is redemptive, but Christ's life is one of self-sacrifice. That kind of love, you know, the love that always forgives, um, also involves being willing to do anything for your children, like amen. you were just talking about. Yeah, amen. I had a, a similar occasion where I, I made a, a sacrifice. I, I prayed to be able to make a sacrifice um, for someone who could have been my son-in-law at one point. Um, it was, as it was for you, a tremendously powerful, moving right. kind of t- I mean, there was an intensity to it um, that was just, and maybe, you know, it's at that kind of moment where maybe you feel a little bit of the intensity that, that Christ felt with his love when he was offering his self-sacrifice. Um, it's amazing. Um, it's amazing these 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 parallels, these similarities, even if they differ in degree. These these similarities in quality between the love of a parent and the love of a child and the love that God has for all of us, His children. There is a reason why the Bible says what it says. Saint Paul says what it says. The Catechism says what it says. There's a reason why the Church says, you know, the the role of a parent is um, is special. There's a reason why it says that. It's, it's amazing. You know, the longer you, uh, you explore the teachings of the church, the deeper you delve into the teachings of the church, all of a sudden you find out all these connections and all of these reasons that the church says what it says. And you say, wow, okay, <laughs> they know what they're talking about. You bet. <laughs> you bet. Um, you know, and oh, here's another one for you. Um, and this is something that, you know, uh, that John Paul II mentioned in his Theology of the Body. It's something that also appears in the Catechism. It's this notion of the family being um, a reflection of the Holy Trinity. Um, Catechism says that the Christian family is a communion of persons, a sign and image, all of us born in the image of God, sign and image of the communion of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Um, and the procreation and education of children. It reflects the Father's work of creation. It reflects the Father's work of creation. Um, in the theology of the body, you know, John Paul expands on this a little bit. He talks about, um, you know, that uh, we're born male and female whose origin in the temporal visible world is linked with marriage as the primordial sacrament of the mystery of creation. Uh, Every man called to share in the reality of the future resurrection brings this vocation into the world by the fact that in the temporal visible world he has his origin by means of the marriage of his parents. There's a shared element between um, our creation by God and the creation of each of us as human persons through our parents. We share in the creation. Before we were born, God knew us by name and called us. And then what? 
Then he used human parents as his instrumentality, uh, just as he uses the priest as an instrumentality at the Mass, um, just as he uses lectors at a Mass as the proclaimers of his word. You know, I mean, the, the, the words are there, but you, they're given a human voice when the lector proclaims. Um, the parents are his instrumentality uh, to give uh, birth in this human world uh, to these, these that God wants to be born in, into this world. Um, we share in the creation. It is, it is participating in the divine plan. We're acting out the will of God. There is indisputably something special about this, um, it's it's just uh, it's it's just amazing that there are all um, all of these elements, all of these these parallels, um, all of these special circumstances that characterize the role of parents. And I guess I guess as Catholics, it's good for us to step back at times and just delve into this a little bit, understand this a little bit. Um, you know, maybe it helps us um, as we think about our own children. Um, maybe it helps us, you know, understand how we should be, how we should act. Um, you know, I mean, maybe it'll help us create a little reverence, a little respect for the responsibilities that we have and the, the blessings that we have in terms of our, our children. Um, now, this is, this is, um, this is important. I, there's a, a, and we could even get into, um, uh, even get into, um, I, I guess maybe another connection that we have between uh, between our earthly parents and our heavenly parents. Uh, Mary's often talked about as, you know, the mother of us all, and appropriately so. And right? appropriately special, so. special place for her, right? She's and, above uh, all all creatures, human, uh, and an absolutely wonderful place. So Father Shamanad, who's the founder of the Marianists wrote that many love Mary as if um, she were their mother. And it's as if, you know, when Claire told my daughter Annie, um, now it's not as if Hannah's going to be, you know, Hannah is real. Well, Father Shamanad says, you know, it, it's not, you, you know, we don't, we shouldn't be loving Mary as if she were our mother. He says, Mary is your true mother. At Nazareth, she conceived you. This, he, he writes um, as if Jesus were speaking to us. And he says, At Nazareth, she conceived you in conceiving me. When she, she gave a yes in order that you might live. From that moment, you constituted a part of my mystical body. When Mary said yes at the Annunciation, she said yes to Christ coming into the world. She said yes to salvation for all of us, we are part of Christ's mystical body, but only because Mary said yes. When she agreed, this is what, I mean, this is, there's nothing less in the, in the spiritual divine realm. There's nothing less than, than this taking place. She conceived you in a spiritual sense, in the salvific sense. And on Cal Calvary, she brought you forth when she offered me as a sacrifice for you. You got the labor pains of a mother giving birth to a child. Mary went through tremendous sorrow at Calvary. She went through pains uh, which gave birth to our salvation. We only, you know, can enter heaven through the door that was opened by Christ on the cross. Um, and who was there? Who was there, the mother of God at that time, undergoing such pain at, the, at, at, at our spiritual birth, our, self, our salvific birth, if you will? Who was there in pain? And I think a, a wonderful part of this, Ray, is that for her, she didn't do it for any glory for her. At the Annunciation, she actually used the words, your will be done. She's not doing this for herself She's not doing it for anyone except God and us and sacrificing. And that is what being a true parent that you're talking about, she wanted it to happen 
to her as God wanted. And it is that relationship of what God wants and desires that is just astounding. It's, ast- it's absolutely astounding. You know, many of us have, uh, many of us love Christmas nativity scenes, do we not? <laughs> you bet. And what do you see? I mean, why is that? Why? Is, is, it, there seems like there's, there's something especially beautiful about a Christmas nativity scene, something very peaceful, uh, something very warm and inviting. When you look at a nativity scene where you've got Mary and Joseph, and then you've got the, the infant Jesus, and they are there, do you not think of them as having tremendous love for the infant Jesus? And when you look at them that way, do you not you know, maybe think, maybe consciously, maybe subconsciously, of your own parents loving you, maybe um, you know, subconsciously imagining, you know, did my parents look at me like that when I was an infant? I mean, isn't that sort of like a connection for us? Why do we love the nativity scene? Because parents showing tremendous love for, their, for a child, for, for a baby, um, it's all just, it's all, it's all just beautiful, just incredibly beautiful. It's centered in love. It's centered um, in God. And so there is something very special about um, the relationship of parents to children. So anyways, that's, uh, that's our program. And as, as we always do to end our program, we're going to uh, ask Bob to help us with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, thanks for this time to just spend with you thinking about your love for us and the love of our parents for us and our love of our children. We ask that all parents could understand that that is the first and foremost thing to do is to love your children as God loves you. And I know for myself, I was woefully short on so many different occasions, but as is always the case, all I had to do was go and ask for forgiveness from God, and He was there to, you were there to do so. Allow us truly and always to bring our difficulties to you, and all, always allow us truly to have the best interest of our children in mind. No matter what's going on, no matter the difficulty, no matter the distraction, allow us to truly love our children with all of our heart and soul as you love us, and the world will be just a little bit better place because of that. We thank you for your forgiveness, and we pray for your ability to put the difficulties we've had behind us and allow us to go forward in a loving way. And we pray all of this through the wonderful and glorious name of your Son, who is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. We thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless.